Let us pray. I'll live for Jesus day after day. I'll live for Jesus. Let come what song we just sang, Father, is our testimony. Father, it is written that the eye, ha- the eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things which you have preferred, uh, prepared for those who love you. The hour has come, Almighty Father, for the delivery of your word. Glorify your name and glorify your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, may every expectant heart and thus please, Father, be filled to satisfaction. 
and any that sauntered into our gathering this day, O King of Glory. Father Lord, without any expectancy in their heart, our prayers are Lord. They will not leave here without receiving a touch from you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit divine, our ears and our hearts are inclined to you. Speak through my voice and let that which the Father has prepared to reveal to us this morning, let it be fully expressed, let it be fully delivered to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our midst. We appreciate you. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Good morning, brethren. Hallelujah. I thank God for what um, He's always been doing in our midst anytime we gather like this. And for what He has proposed to do, which He's already doing in our midst this morning. Amen. I also thank the church leadership, beginning with um, the chaplain, our chaplain in charge, Venerable Professor Sam Ike, the other chaplains who are here and um, the church council for this opportunity given to me for God to use my voice to speak to us all this morning. My prayer is that at the end of this assignment, the message will be deeply planted in our hearts, its purpose fully established in our lives, individually yet collectively, and the expected fruits will be seen flowing through our lives daily in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are still looking at our team. Of course, we know that already. For fear of sounding like a broken record, I will still say it. We are still looking at our team. Our theme for this year, O Lord, revive thy work, thy people, in the midst of the year. Um, it's no hidden secret or there are also that we've been looking at this topic, I mean this theme from different angles, different topics. Um, the intent is that we will catch the fire individually and run with the vision. Praise the Lord. And we are, I'm trusting the Lord that he is doing that in our lives. Amen. I'm trusting the Lord that he's doing that in our lives. And even today, as we look at another topic, still in line with our theme, profile of a revivalist, be an Esther. The Lord will still do great and mighty things, taking us closer and closer to what he wants us to be. Amen. Brethren, we'll ask ourselves, this revival, I don't know how many of us have actually stopped to think what this revival can really accomplish in our lives. What is really the intent? Is there really a need? Is there really a need for a revival, brethren? Hello? Is there really a need for a revival? I'm telling you there is a need for a revival. For if we can see how the world is going as it is now, and if the Lord is to leave us in this state, the church, his children, the body of Christ and the state that we are in, I tell you, will be swept off. True or false, brethren? Honestly. And the end times has not really unfolded, events, they've not really unfolded, have they? It's just gradually unfolding. And we are like this. Then imagine if it fully unfolds, what will become of us if we are not revived? Praise the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord that he's going to do that for us as we continue to seek his face, as we continue to push this our theme through the various ways we've been doing it, until this light is lit in our individual lives and will catch the vision and will not let go until we see it established in our lives. Praise the Lord. So, we say we are, our, our topic this morning is profile of a revivalist. Be an Esther. If you are very observant, and I know that most of us here are very observant, about five weeks ago, uh, one of us here, brother Izuchuku um, Nebu, also spoke to us, uh, shared with us on this topic, be a revivalist. I mean, profile of a revivalist, be a Gideon. Praise the Lord. So this morning, I'm just going to build on the foundation that he has uh, laid for us. Amen. There are some scriptures we are going to look at. But basically, our main text for today is going to be the book of Esther. Because we are saying, be an Esther. We want to look at this Esther and um, see what is it about this Esther that we, are to, that we should be like. Praise the Lord. What is it about this Esther that we should be like? So she's actually the one that we are going to profile. And in profiling her, we will be able to see what a revivalist or who a revivalist is. Praise the Lord. 
That's what we are doing this morning. So our main text will be Esther chapter, it's the whole book of Esther, but the few places we'll read is Esther 4, 13 to 17, and then 8, 17. Then we are also going to look at some other scriptures that will form the scriptural background on which this message is based. Praise the Lord. So let's quickly take down the scriptures, then we go into uh, sharing. I have said Esther 4, 13 to 17, 8, 17. We'll take Deuteronomy 13, verse 4. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and then 20. Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. We also look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We look at 2 Chronicles 16, 19, that's verse 19. James 1, 5 to 8. Ephesians 1, 15 to 21. Praise the Lord. I know we may not be able to go through all this, but... Just know that these are the scriptural, uh, scriptural background that our message this morning is um, based on. Praise God. Now we are, we are talking about profiling, profile of a revivalist. I would like us to stop and look at this word profile. Because, um, you see, if we don't really get, or that's what I think, if we don't really get what's some of these words may we may not really catch or get the meat of the message. Praise the Lord. So we want to look at what the word profile means. So to profile means to create an overview about a person or a thing. To create an overview about a person or a thing. It is to use personal characteristics or behavior or behavior patterns to make generalization about a person. Praise God. So in our case now, we are looking at, we are looking at the general character, um, personal, what, personal characteristics or behavior patterns or attitude or, you know, some peculiar things about Esther. And they will make a general, generalization about her. And that generalization is to take us to the fact that she's a revivalist. Praise the Lord. And what's the purpose of this? So that we can see that being a revivalist is not such a mighty, it's not a, it's not a task assigned to some special breed of people, some special group of people. Praise the Lord. Or some, the anointed people, maybe the priests, or those um, Jim Jim brothers, or whatever it is that we may want, the enemy may want to deceive us and make us think those are the people that should be revivalists. As for me, see now. Remember the story of Gideon when our brother was taking us through it? What did Gideon say when the angel of the Lord came to him and said, You mighty man of valor? What did he say? He said, Me, mighty. Ha! In what way? And when the angel went further to tell him, You will deliver your people, what did he say? Ah, how is that possible now? What are you talking about? Me. That's in fact my clan is the least in Manasseh. And then me, I'm the least in my father's household. So, in what way? And that may be the same state of the heart of most of us here. We've told ourselves, well, revival, yes, so, but me, I don't know the Bible so well now. Me, I'm just a baby in the Lord. Me, I have done my bit. I do this. Whatever it is, is the excuse that the enemy is bringing to our mind. We want to look at it this morning and tell ourselves, I can do all things through Christ that does what? Strengthens me. Praise the Lord. All the Lord needs we'll see at the end of the day. It's just for us to be available. Amen. That is all he needs. At the end of our study, I trust God that that will come out. Praise God. So even this revivalist we're talking about, who is a revivalist? We've, some of these things we've said over and over again. I really didn't want to go into that, but let's just say it. Who is a revivalist? It's just simple. Somebody the Lord uses to bring what? To bring revival. In a life, in a community, in a family, in a nation. Praise the Lord. And you know you can, you can the Lord can use it just in your household. And it, it may end there. Amen. And you have done the job. He may use you in your school or amongst your friends. 
You have done your deeds. Praise God. That's what we want to look at. Amen. So a revivalist is one that the Lord uses to do what? To bring to birth or to bring forth a revival. And we've already heard what the revival is. Yeah, I won't go into that again. I won't say it again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So at this time, I want to look at, now go straight into, let's first of all read some of our texts. Amen. We'll read the book of um, Esther. Esther chapter 4 from verse 13. 17. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows? Whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My mate and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Praise the Lord. Let's also look at um, the book of um, Proverbs. Like I said, some of the scriptures, please, when we go back home, we can just look into them. Let's look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That one says, um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, do what? Acknowledge, and he will do what? Direct your path. And um, in James chapter 1, verse 5, if anybody gets there before me, please, you can just quickly read it for us. James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Then take note of this verse 6, please. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And um, finally, let's look at um, Ephesians 1, 15, 21. Anybody that says that, please help us read it. Of God. Praise the Lord. Please take note of that. You might grow in your knowledge of God. Remember I said this is a scriptural, um, the scriptural background on which the message is based. So you may grow in your knowledge of God. Continue my sister. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so mm. that you can understand and, and understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Mm. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. My own translation said, I pray that you will know what is the hope of his calling. You will know. My emphasis is that knowing. Praise the Lord. And then this is verse 19. I like the way good news, good news puts it because that is the translation I read and that scripture made a great, a huge difference in my life. Please, who has good news translation here? Good news. Good news. Nobody. Praise the Lord. That translation says, I think it says, that you may know the power that's at work in you who believe. That you may know the power that's at work in you who believe. So that power is the same power, the same strength, that God exerted, that God used when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. 
praise the Lord. Do we understand? The power that God used to raise Christ from the dead and seated him at the seventh, at the, at the, in the heavenly realm, raised him, that's yanked him from the hands of the spirit of death, brought him from there and seated him. That same power is working in you and I. Hallelujah. But remember, those who, those who do what? Those who believe. Take note of that. Very important. Praise the Lord. So that's the scriptural background we are looking at, what we are looking at. And then um, that second um, Chronicles 16:9 says, the eyes of the Lord is running to and through the earth to show himself what? On behalf of whose heart are? So whose heart has stayed on him, perfect towards him, committed to him, completely loyal to him, different variation, completely loyal, completely set on him. Praise the Lord. The eyes of the Lord is running up and down the earth looking for you, looking for me. And he's searching your heart. Does this person really trust me? Is this person leaning wholly on me? What does he want? To manifest his power, his glory through you and I. Brethren, what is he seeing as he's looking at your heart and my own heart? Amen. So that's what we are looking at this morning. The profile of a revivalist. B and Esther. Amen. So, like I said, we are going to profile Esther. Who was this Esther? The whole book of Esther is talking about this young lady called Esther. From what I was able to grasp, some of you may have um, greater understanding, but from what I was able to grasp, Esther was um, a young Jewish orphan. Very beautiful girl from what the Bible says about her. Living with her uncle, Mordecai, who adopted her when her parents died. They were living in the ancient um, empire of uh, Persia. And um, they were there, they were, they were the remnants of Jews that remained there after the Babylonian um, the Jews were in Babylon on exile. You know, after some time, some of them returned, Ezra and Nehemiah, they returned back to Jerusalem. But these ones remained. And um, Esther and Mordecai, her uncle, and I guess her parents, I don't know, they, it wasn't said, were part of those who remained. And um, in that empire or kingdom, they had, they had a king called uh, Ahasuerus. Yeah? Please forgive those names, they're very interesting ones. And this king got up one holy day and decided that he wanted, he wanted to display his wealth and the splendor of his um, the splendor of his wealth and all that he had. Let's go to the book of Esther, please. Because we are going to, we are going to just take a brief summary of the book. Then from there we profile Esther. Because we can't do that in um, abstract. This king decided to hold a part, host a party. Um, they said it was a banquet. And he invited every, all the princes, the governors, and what have you, the highly placed people in the entire province, um, empire. This empire was said to be very vast. In fact, the greatest empire then in the, the then world. Praise God. And then um, he had this party for 180 days. Three solid months, feasting, whining, and um, eating. And as if that wasn't enough, after that um, 180 days, he now decided that he was going to have another party within the um, capital city of Shushan for everybody. Now everybody, come, come, all, come one, come all, you know. So you can imagine his state at this time, as he was having with all this feasting for the past how many months. And they were having this party, and he, dis- he you know, had, I think he had, for me, I feel he has exhausted himself on the things to do. He now said to me, what else can I do? I said, ah, oh, ah my queen. He decided to also display his queen. And he asked the queen, you know, he asked some of his um, guards to go bring, his servants to go bring the queen. And the queen, meanwhile, at this point, was also doing her own. Like we say, worry not the carry last. She was also doing her own party with the palace um, women. And the king sent for her, and um, she refused to come. When she refused to come, the king was enraged. How dare she? How can? Why won't she come at his order? 
And in his anger, he called his counselors, some of his counselors, and asked, What should I do to this woman for daring to disobey me? Those ones, I, I want to believe, they looked at themselves and considered their own situation. Ah, if we leave this matter, our own wives too, they will become rebellious. Praise the Lord. And they said, Mbao, um, King, this thing can't stay. If we leave it, the whole women in this kingdom, they will now become rebellious. They will say, see, Queen Esther did it. Nothing was done to her. So, excuse me, I will not do. So they said, King, what you do is, chase away this woman. Remove her from being queen. And he did that. Remember, this was when he was, I believe, in his drunken state. Because the Bible said, after a while, he started thinking and regretted his action. That is to say, his head had come down. And he started thinking. And he started missing his beautiful wife. And um, he called those same counselors again and said, all the counselors, when they saw what was happening to him, they said to him, don't worry. Don't worry. There are so many beautiful girls around. Let's gather all the beautiful virgins in the entire kingdom. And you pick your choose from there. And the Bible said, the idea pleased the man. So this is where Esther comes into the picture. And so they went into town and started picking all the beautiful, beautiful virgins in the, in the, in the entire um, kingdom or empire. And our dear sister Esther was amongst those that were picked. Remember who this Esther is? A Jewish girl, younger, an orphan, but was being raised by one man. I like the way that man was des- is described in that book. Mordecai the Jew. It's very significant. That's the Mordecai the Jew. So let's take note of that. That is why the Deuteronomy passage is there for us. Please let's look at it briefly. Deuteronomy 13.4, that's all. Just look at that. Deuteronomy 13.4 It says there, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments, obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. Praise the Lord. No matter where you are, whatever the circumstance, no excuse, you must hold fast to that, the Lord your God, and keep his commandments. I want to believe that was what Mordecai was doing, even in that land of Babylon, because it was a, um, a Gentile kingdom. Praise the Lord. Yet, he was known as Mordecai the Jew. And for him to be known as Mordecai the Jew, that means he was keeping the commands and the laws and the statutes of his God, in spite of the, of the fact that they were in exile in a foreign land. Amen. And if this is the nature of this man, you can imagine what he must have done with Esther. He is the one that said, and you know the Bible, you see there's something uh, 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 a man who was preaching taught me. Not that he taught me, he said from the pulpit and I held on to it. So when you're reading the Bible, try to look in between the, the lines. There are some things that are not said, but look in between the lines, you will get them. Now the Bible said, she was raised. Esther was raised by who? Mordecai the Jew. Was raised by him. He adopted her as his daughter. And he raised her. So you can imagine if that kind of man raised Esther. Who, who would she be? Esther the Jewess. Praise the Lord. Let's put it that way. Amen. So this young lady was brought into the kingdom. Along with other young virgins. And they were to pass through some process of purification, beauty, treatment and all that. And then will pass through the king one by one. And the king will be sampling them until he gets what he wants. Now, there's something significant about Esther's um, um, part in that, in that uh, contest, if I can put it that way. The Bible said in um, verse 8, um, let's take Esther 2, verse 8. So it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. I had said so before. Now, verse 9 is what I want to draw attention to. Now, the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor. Praise the Lord. And she obtained his favor. In Psalm 5, verse 12, it says, For thou, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as 
with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. Remember who this lady is, brethren. As we are following the story, don't forget. That's why I put all. I said some of the things I said earlier. Esther the Jewess, raised by Mordecai the Jew. Praise the Lord. And you know the people of God. What did, once you are honoring the Lord and keeping His commandments, He will do what? He will do His part. No matter the circumstance around you. And that was what was playing out in the life of Esther. The Bible didn't say there was anything special she did. It just said, as she came there, she found favor. Praise the Lord. And, well, like we, 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 as we continue that story, this same Esther, after all the beauty treatment and everything, and she went in to meet the king, the Bible again said, she did what? She found favor before the king. We start from verse 16. So Esther was taken up to, that's the same chapter 2. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tebet, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the crown, the royal crown, upon her head and made her queen instead of a Vashti. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord is everly faithful. And his purpose he will always fulfill. Amen. Now, this story, this Esther story is, <laughs> has a lot of plots, but all of them tie up at the end of the day. While Esther was in um, the king's palace, her uncle was always at um, the court, uh, court gate, you know, always sitting there trying to get news about her. And one of those days he was there. He had a conspiracy. Two of the king's guards were planning to assassinate the king. And he brought the information to Esther. And Esther took the information to the king. The matter was investigated, found to be true, and those guards were what? Killed. The matter ended there. So it seemed. Then um, there was another man in the same story called Haman, one of the king's officials. Who ought to be minding his business and enjoying his life and leaving other people? But trust men, wickedness of the heart will not allow us to face our business and enjoy our lives. We want to take other people's lives and live it as well. Then that is when, even at that, at that we still will not be happy. That's the funniest thing. We will still not be happy. Amen. This Haman man was not even of that, he wasn't a, a patient. The Bible says he, they called him as Haman the Agagite and say he's a descendant of the um, Canaanites. So you can imagine. He was in that place and they made him an official. They, in fact, the king elevated him to one of his, in fact, his right hand man. Amen. And then gave a decree that whenever he's passing, everybody should do what? Bow down to him. That was where trouble came. That was where trouble came. So, whenever he will be passing, people will be bowing down. And he passed through the gates. Everybody was bowing down. One man refused to bow. And people were looking at him and wondering, why are you not bowing? You're disobeying the king's command. He said, no, I won't bow. I'm a Jew. Hallelujah. He said, I won't bow. I'm a... I am a Jew. Remember why we are looking at this? We are profiling a revivalist, brethren. So please follow the story. So I will see what is unfolding. How many of us have been asked to bow? We, they didn't even ask us. And we are doing what? Praise the Lord. And we are bowing. Because I won't bow. I'm asking why. I am a Jew. Amen. If that, if it ended there, it wouldn't have been a problem. Herman didn't really notice him. The Bible said they went and did what? And reported to him. He said, Somebody's not buying to you. And then he looked and he observed. And the Bible said, Herman found it. That he became very angry and furious. Why wouldn't this man bow to him? Who the hell does he think he is? He didn't know that this was, that this Mordecai is one of God's eh, people. Hallelujah. A child of God. If he was in these times. Amen. God's own. 
And he said, ha, ah, okay, you say he's a Jew, I'm going to deal with him. Now, I would like to ask, why didn't he just deal with Mordecai? That was the one that was not buying to him. Huh? He then decided to do what? To destroy, completely destroy all the Jews in that patient empire. That's the ent- not even the entire kingdom. So, that is because he had power, he went to the king. Ah, king, there's a, a group of people in this land. They are disobeying your law. Please, how many of them were, were not buying down to him? Amen. <laughs> so, let us uh, know that it's always one for all, all for all, one. Our work with the Lord is not just about us, it's about all of us. Let's be, let's be mindful of that. Amen. And so, he went to the king. After giving that report, this king, from his presence, you can see that um, he is an OES member. Anyone they say, aha. Anyone they say, aha. And when he heard this one, he said, eh, which people? Without even looking into the matter. Uh-huh. What, what, what did you say? Herman said, okay, they don't. He said, in fact, don't worry yourself. I will personally ensure that they are what? Destroyed. I will pay. The king said, go ahead. Whatever I want to do, do. Take my ring. And that his ring is what? Symbol of authority. Once it's put on anything that is written, it can't be cancelled, it can't be reversed. And Emma went to town and wrote a decree that at a certain time, that, was in the, that should be in the month of Ada, the 13th day of the month of Ada. Something like that, yeah? Praise the Lord. Let's look at it. That should be month of Ada. That what? There will be, all the Jews will be destroyed. Amen. And um, the Jews, that is, um, he passed that decree. And Mordecai heard about it and was weeping. Took the message to Esther. Esther heard the message and uh, was like, hey, what will we do? Mordecai said, you can go to the king and ask and ask him to reverse it. Or let him do something. He said, hey, I can't. There's, I can't just walk to the king. He has to send for me. But Mordecai said, you will have to. If you don't, don't think that you'll be safe. That was why we read where we read. Don't think that you'll be safe where you are. You won't. So whatever it is you can do, do. Go to the king. And this young lady. And then he made a statement, which is what moved her. And that is what another thing I want us to look at. I said, who knows whether you are, you are in the kingdom or you are in the palace, you've been made a queen for this purpose, for a time such as this. Brethren, please take note of that word. That was what did what moved this young lady. She remembered, surely, this could be God's finger. What made her have that kind of thought? Her heart is positioned towards the Lord. That's what I want us to see in all of this story. Yeah, this may be the finger. Okay. Another thing she did, she said, please, gather the people. Let's seek the face of the Lord. After that, I will go. I know the Lord will speak. Why? Because they know their God. He always leads. He always answers. He's faithful. He speaks. And at the end of that three days fasting and prayer, she gathered herself and stepped out by faith. Now, take note. She had spoken to the Lord. That would have given her, you know, this bravado spirit. Okay, I've spoken to the Lord. The Lord with me. I marched blah, 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 straight into the king's palace or the king's um, court. But there's something the Bible said. When she stepped out, she didn't go in. She stood in the outside courtyard. The courtyard. Stood there but facing you know, the king's throne. So from afar, the king can see her standing there. Of course, dressed in, the, in her full regalia, so that when he sees her beauty, ah, he said, this is my beautiful queen. Amen. And that's what happened. She didn't take things for granted. She didn't presume on God. She acted in wisdom and stood there, and the king saw her, called her. She you know, um, stretched out her, his scepter of authority to, for her to come. If he had not done that, they would have killed her. That if I, and I will go, if I perish, eh, I perish. She would have perished if the king had not done that. But the king did, and she was able to have audience with the king. And um, some other things, please, when we go back home, I know some of us have read this story before, but other things, you know, 
happened. She invited the king for a banquet, invited that wicked Haman, who felt very happy and honored to come for the banquet. After eating, he left there, feeling very, you know, like the, like, in fact, I'm the, how like it now? Anyway, went back home and was telling his people what had happened. Meanwhile, as he was leaving, he saw Medaka again. He became angry. Someone that was very happy before. Got back home, told his people. Now the wife, the wife and his friends were the ones that advised him. They advised him, if that man is disturbing that, why don't you remove him first? I know you were planning to kill the Jews. You can start with him first. Set up a gallop where you go and um, you hang him there, remove him from your sight. And the idea pleased him. He did just that. Set up a gallop. And was preparing to go to the king the next day to ask the king to do what? To kill Mordecai. But this is our God. Chai! Chineke. It is well with us. Amen. That night, that event that happened long ago that the king forgot about, the Lord reminded him because he wanted to use it to do something for his people. The Lord did not allow him to sleep. And he was looking at the chronicles of events. There's a chronicle, the records where they write chronicles of events that happened in the palace. And as they were reading it to him, he now heard that there was a mother Kai that saved his life. And he asked, what was done for that man's self? He said, nothing. So why? And by the next morning, there was a man marching and coming to come and do what? Come and take permission to do what? Kill Mordecai. And the king said to him, come, come, come. There's somebody I want to reward. And this pompous man was thinking he was him. And when the king said, what do I do? I want to reward somebody that has done great things. He said, God, surely. It must be me. And look at his greed. He said, see what you will do. The very dress that you, the king, have worn before. That when you wear it, people will know that. Ah, that is the king's dress. See this man wearing king's dress. That person will wear it. The very horse that you, the king, you have rode on. That is true. The person will ride on that horse. Then, your noblest officials, see him, will lead him through the town and be proclaiming. This is what the Lord will do. You know, to anyone that he wants to reward. The king said, ah, you go and do the same to who? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The man almost fainted. And that was the beginning of his trouble. Now look at his wife and friends were the ones that told him, do that to Mordecai the Jew. Didn't they know he was a Jew? When he came back from that assignment with his head broke down, I mean bent down, and got home, the wife said, Hey, if that Mordecai is a Jew and you're starting falling before him, ah, know that you're finished too. Didn't they know that before advising him to go and set up a gallop for him? And of course, truly, he finished. Because by the next time, because when they went for that um, banquet, the, king, the queen didn't say what her, she wanted to tell the king, and they eventually invited them to come for a second banquet. And when they got there, that was when she revealed what had happened. She said, see, O king, my problem is this. I am a Jewess. When she went to the, king, uh, to the palace, Mordecai had told her, don't tell anybody that you are a Jew. Just keep it to yourself. Don't tell them your identity. Keep it to yourself. And she did just that. A very humble girl. Bible said, while there, she still listened to who? Mordecai, what he said to her. It was at that second banquet that she now revealed to the king who she was. I remember this king now. Oh, yes, remember. As she said, she was a... I see, imagine that... This man, wonder, there's a man that wants to destroy us, my people and I. We've been set up to be dis- destroyed. I was like, who wants to do that to my queen? And she said, this wicked Herman. Brethren, let me cut the long story short because it has been very, very long. Long and short of the matter is that Herman was finally what? Killed. That gallow that he prepared to hang Mordecai, he was one that was, that one, was what? Hung on. And um, the decree he wrote, the Lord gave Esther the chance to do what? Esther and Mordecai, the chance to do what? To not reverse it because it wasn't possible to reverse, but to counter it. And in that country, the people of, that's the Jews in that land, had what? Were able to prevent those patients from doing what? Destroying them, annihilating them. Praise the Lord. They massacred their plan turned around on their head. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, having said all this story about um, Esther, 
There are some key things, character we've seen in her life that we want to pick up to get the profile we want so we can begin to see who a revivalist is. First and foremost, one of the things I, 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 I picked from her nature is that she is, that is that's a, she's someone that knew the Lord. She knew the God of the Jews. Remember we said about her, her upbringing. Who raised her? Mordecai. Mordecai the Jew. Who knew their God and stood by their God? Held fast to their God. Brought up this, same, this lady who also was walking in his footsteps. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that was the first thing I, I, I noted about that lady. As she was someone who knew the Lord. Amen. She knew the God of the Jews. The God who, as who is our God today, that God that says to you and I, it says, um, for God does, the God who so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him, in him should not perish, but what, have what? Have an everlasting life. That God, she knew him. Then to them, he was known as the Yahweh God of eh, Israel. But to you and I, he is known as the God who so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have what? Have everlasting life. She knew that God. Amen. And she walked with that God. Her uncle taught her. Praise the Lord. She was also, like I said, a young girl, an orphan. So, I mean, it's not as if she was a, a prophet or someone that was specially called. Just a normal girl like you and I. A young girl, a young boy, an ordinary mother. Nothing special about her. Was there anything special about her, brethren? There was nothing special about her. She believed in divine providence. She believed in the mighty hands of the Lord, their God, working in their lives as his people. That was why when she was told, do you know whether you are here for a time such as this? She immediately did what? Stop, paused, and sought the face of the Lord. And look at how the Lord used her. Amen. She was also somebody that believed in prayers. When she was told, when she heard what she heard, she said, let's go and pray. Please gather the people. Let's go and pray. And fast. She was also someone that did what? She was someone that was humble. Look at the people she gathered to pray with her. She said, I also pray with my, my mates. Praise the Lord. How many of us will gather our mates to stand and pray with us on very important issues? We will think that they can't do much. But brethren, you see this revival, if we are to accomplish it, all hands have to be on deck. It's something that is going to involve everybody and everything that happens around us. They are all pointing towards what? That the better of that revival. We are meant to be what? Attentive. We heard this morning. We should be what? Alert. Don't take anything that happens around you as ordinary. Stop and look. Praise the Lord. So she was a prayerful person. Praise God. She was someone that um, she believed in corporate air, corporate prayers, corporate efforts. She didn't just think she would do it on her own. Praise God. That's why she asked, go and gather all the people. It's not my ability. It's God's ability. It's not our ability. It's all of us doing it together. Amen. So, having looked at this, we want to also make reference to what our brother taught us the other day about Gideon, which I had talked about before. When the Lord said to him, O mighty man of uh, valor, say, the Lord is with you, mighty man of uh, fearless courage. And he said, who me, fearless courage? In what way? Say, see, he told the Lord, he said, I've heard about the God of our fathers, what he did, the mighty miracles, the mighty works he did. Our fathers told us about, the, about him. But uh, where is he? We are not seeing him. Maybe he's turned his back on us. Praise God. And what did the angel say to him? Praise God. Let's look at it briefly. Judges chapter 6. Judges 6. Said, that's verse 14 now. Then the Lord turned to him and said, 
Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? He said, go in this might of yours. What might, brethren? What might? The might of the Lord, yes. But what might? What was the might that the Lord was telling me about? The knowledge that he had of the, the Lord his God. That confidence he had in the God of Israel. He had heard about him. And he believed. And he was expectant. I was expecting him to, you know, do the same for them in this, their own situation. He had heard of God. He knew. His heart was set on that God. And he was expecting him to come through. And the Lord said, this knowledge you have, do what? Go in it. That is your might. That is your strength. Praise the Lord. That is why we read that book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1. I pray that your eyes of understanding will be open, That you may know. That's why I kept emphasizing that know. When you know, brethren, it strengthens you. I've been asking myself, all these people then, Daniel, Shadrach, what was it these people, what was it about them that would make them stand in the face of the kind of things they had to face? Brethren, what, what would you say made them stand? The knowledge of the God that is their own. So for me, honestly, if I want, if I want to summarize what the prophet of a revivalist is, I would say it's someone who knows the Lord God of Israel. Someone who knows the Lord God, the glorious Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who knows Him, believes in Him, trusts Him. Like the Lord said, His eyes are going, running to and fro the earth, looking for who? Those whose hearts are what? That is, they are, their heart is seated on Him. That is not shaking like what we read in um, the book of um, James. It's not people whose hearts are, well, would the Lord, can the Lord, will, will he, is he? I mean, they, have, they, are, they are confident. Brethren, can we reach that, that height in our work with God? Hello, can we? That is what the Lord wants. If we are to be revived, and if we are to stand, if, if we are going to face what is in front of us, the days that are coming, brethren, we have to know our God like that. That is all it takes. Every other thing will do what? They fall into that. You are humble. You are, yes. But first, know this. do you know the God whose you are? Do I know the God whose I am? Do I really know him? There's that son that said, do you know his name, the gentleman from Galilee? Do you know that he's got a name that is high above every other name? Whether it be in heaven, here on earth, or underneath the earth. Hallelujah. Brethren, may God help us to really know our God. For when we know him, I tell you, nothing moves you. Nothing will shake you. Whatever that threat is. Amen. So we're looking at the profile of a revivalist. Who is a revivalist? Given what we have heard about Esther. He's an ordinary man, woman, boy, girl, like you and I. Nothing special about them. No special anointing. No special anointing. No special calling. Just love the Lord God of hosts with your whole heart. Seek Him. Believe in Him. Let your confidence, no matter what, rest in Him. Don't let, someone like Esther, she didn't let her circumstances. To do what? To hinder her from walking with that God that her uncle had taught her. She would have said to herself, I'm an orphan. My parents are dead. I mean, why didn't we know with us now? Why didn't God keep my parents? See now. And bring up all manner of excuses that they will up, up, hang on to all manner of excuses that they and then will do what? Will give us and will miss the best experiences of our lives. But she didn't let that happen to her. Amen. She did not let that happen to her. No matter, in as much as she was an orphan, her parents were dead, and she was in an exile, I mean, a foreign land, she still trusted the Yahweh God of her, Israel. Amen. That is a revivalist. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, you don't have anyone to send you to school. You're from the poorest of families in, this, in, in the whole world. Let me put it that way. Let's not even go to Nigeria. You are the least in your father's clan, you are the least in your father's household, you are uneducated. 
you are or overqualified self. You are a professor. You are a whatever it is. Don't let anything do what? Stand on your way. You can still be used. It's not a work for the lowly or the highly placed. It's for all of us. Amen. Like, and, and we also, like we've, no, we've said, you have to know the Lord your God. Have a rock solid belief in Him. Nothing moves you. Remember? It's any man who is double minded cannot receive anything from the Lord. If you are that way, you can't see the mighty hands of God at work in your lives. Praise the Lord. He's looking for those whose hearts are what? Loyal. Perfectly stayed on Him. Completely set on Him to show Himself. It has completely to show himself what mighty on their behalf. Those are the people God is looking for. Those are the, the people God uses as revivalists. They fear God. Amen. They fear God. And because they fear God, they don't compromise. They hang on to his statutes and his commands. Mordecai that we saw, I mean, because he feared God, he hung on to the, God's, the Lord's command. He will not bow to any other God, any other person, because that's one of the commands the Lord gave. You don't bow to anybody, any other image, any other person, but the Lord your God. And that was exactly what he did. Amen. So he did not... <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I want to thank God for... That's what a revivalist is. And um, having looked at the profile of who a revivalist is by looking at the life of um, Esther... We also find out that a revivalist is one that desires to change the status quo. Praise the Lord. One that, you know, you see things that are wrong and you want to change it. You want to, you want, you want to be, that's, you want to help to make, you want to do things, that get it right. Praise the Lord. You see things, things that are wrong and you're interested, you want to be part of those that will make, do what? Put it right. Amen. Well, time will fail us to go into Looking at other revivalists, I, like I said, I thank God that our brother Izu had also handled this topic some time back. That's five weeks ago. And in that, when he handled it, he gave us some examples of revivalists in our contemporary times. He mentioned uh, Evans Roberts, who at the age of 15 started praying for a revival, and the Lord used him mightily as a youth. And he was even the leader, the one that the Lord used to do was to lead the Welsh uh, revival of the past. We also have heard of... Um, that's before then, John Wesley. The Lord used that man mightily also. He was one that the Lord used to birth the Methodist church. This man was ordained a priest, yet he was not born again. Hallelujah. Very interesting. But when he met the Lord, when he got converted, the Lord used him mightily. Praise God. What are we saying? You must know God. And you must, for us who are now in, who are in this dispensation, you must give your life to Christ. It's not a function of, you know the Bible. It's not a function of laws, keeping of rules and regulations. It's a function of what? Having a, a vibrant relationship with the Lord through His Son, eh? Jesus Christ. Amen. So through the centuries, you have revivalists that have passed. You know, the Lord has used. You know, we talked in the 18th century, we had this John Wesley. In 19th century, there was this woman, Maria Woodsworth Etta. A woman like you and I. The Lord also used from the age of eight. The age of eight. That was when she wanted to give her life to Christ. That's when she fell in love with the Lord. Eight years. Children, you are here. But it was not until she was 13 or thereabout in her teens that she was allowed to give her life to Christ. And that lady, later on in her life, the Lord used her mightily to bring revival in her time in the 18th, 19th century. And in the 20th century, we heard about Evans Roberts, which whom my brother talked about the other day. And in this our present century, brethren, so I don't think it's something that happened then. In this our 21st century, there's a man called, um, I think Rui something, a Chinese uh, brother. They call him Bro Yon, or the heavenly man. I don't know how many of us have heard of him, the heavenly man. Please, when we go back, let's look for, the book is on, on the net, you can find it. The heavenly man, read about that man. And you see that the Lord can use anybody to bring about revival. All that is required is for you to do what? Have a heart. Let your heart be set after God. Let your heart be set after God and know the God whose you are. Amen. When you do that, the Lord will use you mightily. Amen. The Lord will use you 
to turn around lives. Praise the Lord. So I want to conclude by saying that we are living in the greatest time in the history of the world at this time, brethren. It's a time when the Lord needs people more than ever. People that are totally and completely sold out, committed to Him in every area of their lives. People who will diligently take His word and message of salvation to the lost, to the ignorant, to the dying world. We see the world we are living in now. Even amongst us Christians, I don't know how many of us are happy what's happening amongst us. The Lord needs us to wake up. And He needs people that He can use to bring about, to bring that, to awaken the church. Praise the Lord. But remember that revival starts with you and I. Wake, wake, awakening first, then He can use us for that. He needs people who will say like Esther, if I perish, I perish, in the course of reaching out to the lost. Or like Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, I will not bow. I'd rather die. I'd rather burn. I'd rather be eaten by a lion. He needs people like that. How many of us can do that? People carry heaven's torch, the aroma of Christ with them, anywhere they go. A people who will fully embrace God's life, the life of Christ, as their lives, and represent Jesus well, anywhere they are found, no matter the condition, no matter the circumstance. That was why we sang that song, I live for Jesus. Day after day. Let's come what me. The Spirit of God, I will obey. I pray that this morning, as we have looked at the profile of a revivalist, looking at the life of, life of Esther, our eyes have been opened for that to know that being this revivalist is not, is not, is not a special call. Every one of us seated here, the Lord is looking for you. He's calling you. He's hoping on you to bring about the, the revival of his church to bring about the salvation of many souls that are languishing out there the end of the age is near brethren isn't it and there are many lost souls out there it's not the desire of the lord that any should perish but that all should come unto repentance and do what and be saved i need you and i to go out there but look at us look at us so we need to be revived and again, the Lord needs us to do what? To go save the lost out there. May the Lord help us as our eyes have been opened this morning to know that we can do it. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. We have talked so much. I don't know. But if you're here this morning and you don't know this God that we are talking about, I would like to tell you that the times that are ahead of us it's a very terrible time. If you, know, if you don't know this God we are talking about, the God who is the glorious Father of the Lord, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Hmm. I don't know what your hope is. If you have not made peace with Jesus Christ, and then from there know His Father, I beg of you this morning, take the opportunity that will be given to you this morning, and make peace with Him. John Wesley was ordained a priest. I went about jumping up and down thinking it was by power or by might that he would convert souls. That he would work for God. He never achieved anything. He met with failures upon failures and in his frustration, he sat back to wonder. And God helped him to meet some people who told him the truth and led him to know that salvation is by faith. And when he embraced that truth, the Lord used him mightily. The Bible said he preached, I mean the report has that he preached 40,000 sermons before he died. Rode on horseback on a, a, a distance that can be equated to going around the world. One man for the cause of Christ. You cannot do this work if you don't know Jesus. Brethren, I beg of us this morning. It's nothing big. Just let our hearts be set on God. In your, no matter how small, in your little way, just let your heart be set on God. Line upon line, precept upon precept, He will draw you closer. But don't play with God. Don't toy with salvation. Don't toy with Christianity. Take God serious. And if you have not known the Lord, stop playing church. Know Him. For therein lies hope. Praise the Lord. Our Father and our God, we give you thanks and we give you praise. We thank you for your word that has come forth to us this morning. Jehovah, 
we believe that this word will bear fruit in our lives. Yes, Lord, we hope in you, we trust in you. Have your way and prosper your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Watch us live on the-